This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, what do you want to da da da? I don't know. What do y'all think we should da da da? Well, what did we da yesterday? Hmm, yesterday. All the dolls feel like the same doll these days. I know. Like, is today Monday or Tuesday? Today is Thursday. <gasps> oh no, I forgot to call my mom on her birthday. Oh no! No! These days, nothing is normal and everything is weird. But you could still save big when you switch to Progressive. That won't change. Not to die or any die. Quote to die at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Easy parking with Easy Trip. Now available at Dundrum Town Centre. So you can now use your toll tags to park in our car parks. Simply register at easytrip.ie forward slash parking. Easy parking with Easy Trip. Dundrum, where more happens. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090, Mariska's in Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933, and Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com. Let's drop the puck. Welcome to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast with NBCChicago.com's James Navo and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Here I Chicago! Welcome into what's going to be the final Chicago Madhouse Hockey Podcast. Oh, no, sorry, let me start again, Jay. Uh, <laughs> Welcome into what's going to be the final Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast before the start of the NHL regular season. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago, and with me, as always, is the one, the only, the handsome, the talented, the awesome, Jay Zawoski from 670 The Score. Jay! The regular season, my friend, officially gets underway tomorrow. How pumped are you to get NHL hockey back in your life? Oh my gosh, I cannot wait. And it, what's crazy is I'm actually traveling to D.C. Uh, Thursday night we're flying out and we're going to be there Friday for the Cubs game. And I'll actually be there uh, until Sunday afternoon. So I'm going to be catching up on the Hawks like on delay I'm going to have to come back to the hotel after the game and watch the game on a DVR I have and do it that way. But uh, I am so excited. I cannot wait. Uh, it's I, I'm really excited for the Hawks this year just because there's so many interesting storylines. And, you know, how good are they going to be? We don't really know. How good are the young players going to be? We don't really know. It's just so many things need to be answered. Everyone says, what's your prediction for the Hawks this year? I truly have no idea. I can't even begin to tell you. I'm sure you've run into the same thing where everyone wants to talk Hawks with you and they want some insight, and it's you just have to say, well, uh, can we wait and see a little bit? Because really, it's I have no idea how this team's going to be. Well, you have no idea. You, until today, basically, had no idea officially what the roster was going to look like because the news finally came out today that the Blackhawks are going to be able to get that cap relief for Marion Hosa. So 
you weren't really positive you knew what the roster was even going to look like until today. And now that we know that, we kind of have an idea now of what they're going to have, what defensemen they're going to have. And I got to tell you, this team's going to be two things. One, I think they're going to score more goals this year. And two, they're going to allow more goals this year. They're going to be a high-event team that's going to be flying up and down the ice. And it's going to be really interesting to see how it all shakes out uh, when they get Cody Franson signed and when these guys start getting kind of slotted into their defensive pairings. I noticed today during practice that Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook were together on the top pairing, and Connor Murphy had been bumped down to second pairing, and I thought that was really interesting. There are a lot of moving parts on that defense, and it's really making it hard to make any like hard and fast predictions for what's going to happen to the Blackhawks this season. Well, let's catch people up on the news of the day. Uh, this is being recorded at 4.15 on Tuesday afternoon. Um, so, T- Thomas Yurko, cleared waivers, was sent down. J.F. Berube, same thing. Jordan Tutu has been placed on LTIR, as has Michael Roosevelt. Marion Hosa will be put on LTIR tomorrow. They have the league approval to do that. And then they also sent down Gustav Forsling and Alex DeBrincat. And those moves, especially uh, DeBrincat, are believed and assumed to be paperwork-related uh, only. So after Hosa goes on LTIR, you'll see DeBrincat back, Forsling back, and you'll see... Um, Cody Franson will have a contract. Yes, Cody Franson will have a contract, and that will be your roster. Um, so you're looking at, what do we say, 13 forwards, 8 defense, 2 goalies. That is correct. You'll be looking at a full 23-man roster, which is the maximum allowed in the NHL. So let's just go through it real quick, um, just so people know. I'm going to do it by line. I think it's probably the easiest way to do it. This is the way the Hawks have been lining up the team in practice over the last little bit. You've got Jonathan Taves centering Brandon Saad and Richard Panic, Nick Schmaltz centering Ryan Hartman and Patrick Kane, Artem Anisimov centering Patrick Sharp and Alex Dabrinkit, and Tanner Caro centering Lance Boma and the combination of Tommy Wingles and John Hayden. So Hayden makes a team, Dabrinkit makes a team. Excited about that. On D, Brent Seabrook and Duncan Keith together, as James just said, Michael Kempney with Connor Murphy, Gustav Forsling with Jan Ruda, and Jordan Osterley with Cody Franzen. So there's your Blackhawks roster, of course, Corey Crawford, and Anton Forsberg are your two goaltenders. So there it is. There's your opening night Blackhawks roster. And uh, as we talked, you know, I, all preseason, the stories were Schmaltz at center, DeBrincat at wing, and Connor Murphy. And I would say all three of those have been met with, with some decent success. All three have been met with success, but I think all three still kind of have question marks that need to be addressed. I really think that Nick Schmaltz needs to prove that he can win consistently in the faceoff circle. Now, you probably say that, 45% will get the job done if he can get his face-off success up to that rate. Uh, Alex DeBrincat, I think, has looked good on both ends of the ice. I'm pretty satisfied with what I've seen from him. I'd imagine Joe Quenville is as well if he's going to have him in the opening night lineup. And Connor Murphy, I feel like, has been pretty solid. But I'm wondering why he's not skating with Duncan Keith. I feel like that's kind of an interesting decision. Does that indicate that Joel Quenville has enough trust in him to put him on his own pairing with another guy and kind of let him be the anchor? Or does it indicate that Joel doesn't think that Connor Murphy is a top-pairing guy? Which of those options do you think is more realistic? I think it might be more about Brent Seabrook. You're looking at a team that lacks speed defensively. Uh, Brent Seabrook especially has looked slow in this preseason. And you know, I hate to say it, I really like Brent Seabrook, but he's been really bad this preseason. Now, 
He's a veteran. He's played enough games. You know he's not giving 100% in the preseason, nor should he. He's established enough to do that, so hopefully he finds another level. But I think Brent Seabrook with Duncan Keith is more of a reflection on Seabrook, and Duncan Keith is going to need to bail him out uh, of a couple uh, you know, defensive issues, some speed issues he's going to have there. Connor Murphy is not fast, but he's solid defensively, so I actually don't mind him bumping down. I'm sort of thinking of him as, as the Nicholas Jalmerson, and of course – He's not going to be that good, obviously, but a similar kind of player where it's defense first, shot blocking first. Uh, he's shown a, a bit of physicality in front of the net, which I like. He's a big dude. So I sort of like him as that number three uh, physical defensive defenseman. I like him in that role. And I think, like I said, putting Seabrook with Keith really protects Seabrook and gives him a little bit of leeway. We, what we're seeing now, I think, is the uh, Brent Seabrook sort of uh, of evolution to an offensive defenseman his numbers have gone up while his defensive play has gone down and I wonder if that's sort of how they're going to start using him now as more of an offensive threat and let Keith jump back and sort of be that last line of defense as opposed to how it was back in the day when Keith was sort of driving the possession which he'll still do I just wonder how they're going to use Brent Seabrook this year because if we're all seeing it if everyone's seeing it watching on TV Joel Quenville seeing it Ulf Samuelson seeing it Kevin Dini is seeing it. Everyone is seeing it that, that matters, uh, and they're going to do their best to protect him. You can't get rid of him. You need him to win. I, I hate to say it, but you need Brent Seabrook at this point. Uh, so I, I'm not surprised that this is how it shook out. It's always interesting to me when you see guys being used as an offensive defenseman when they just have no discernible speed whatsoever because that's obviously not Brent Seabrook's game. His game is going to be predicated on stretch passing, and using his shot, which I know that a lot of guys on the team, you're kind of yelling, shoot, shoot. Brent Seabrook has a really good slap shot, and I think that could be a really effective weapon at the point. And I feel like you're going to see him pinching in a lot to kind of use that from a little bit closer range, getting into the slot a little bit. You've seen him score goals from that area, and I think that's exactly why Joe Quindle would put him with Duncan Keith because he knows that Keith will have that coverage on the back end, and I think we're going to see a little bit of a transition in Duncan Keith's game because usually he's the one kind of weaving into the middle of the ice and getting some shots off from that area. And now he's going to have to be a little bit more responsible on like last season when he kind of had Nick Jalmerson having his back on that. And Duncan Keith is going to end up having to play that role for Brent Seabrook if what you're talking about kind of comes to pass. And I do still think that putting Brent Seabrook in that kind of a role to make him more of an offensive defenseman, I do think does show me at least that Joel Quenville does trust Connor Murphy enough to not put him with a veteran like Duncan Keith and it shows that he thinks that Murphy is able to lead a defensive pairing and to me that's a good sign that Joel Quenville feels that way because I don't think he would have put him there if he didn't think he could handle it so I think it's partly necessity but I do think there's at least a little bit of it that has to do with the fact that Joel Quenville trusts Connor Murphy. Yeah, and that, that's a good thing because, like you said, I think I focused uh, when we were discussing the preseason together, I sort of just ignored the Connor Murphy thing. Like, oh, I just assumed he'd be good, and uh, that was a bad assumption on my part. You know, you don't, we don't really know what this kid is. The fact that, you know, for the preseason, the reviews have been mostly positive. There's been moments here and there that aren't great, but that's what's going to happen with a young player. Um, I, I just you're, – you're right. I think that that does give me – uh, I feel good about the fact that the Quenville trusts him. I know he, as far as I can tell, Quenville is not the biggest Michael Kempney fan in the world, 
So for him to trust Connor Murphy, and not that he's strapped with many other options, so I don't want to go crazy here in my praise of Murphy, but um, the fact that he trusts him with a guy who I think overall he doesn't have a ton of trust for is a, is a good sign as well. I would absolutely agree with that. Yeah, I think that we have been so we've had so many storylines to focus on that it's so easy to let something like this kind of get lost in the shuffle a little bit. You know what I mean? Like we just have honestly more storylines this preseason i feel like we've had in a very long time covering the blackhawks i feel like we've had questions about backup goaltending and the composition of the top six forwards and which of the kind of big bodied forwards at the bottom six we're going to get jumped get tossed out by the way i feel very happy today really proud of myself that literally i believe my first my second uh roster prediction piece out of the three that i did I think I said that I was leaning that Yurko wasn't going to make the roster even though the Blackhawks wanted him in. Like, they wanted to make their investment worthwhile and got to give myself a little bit of praise for just being like, look, he's not one of your top 13 forwards. Like, period, end of story. Like, I'm glad the Blackhawks saw the light on that. And I think that ultimately the one thing that we're going to have an issue with here, and I'm wondering how you feel about this, how do you feel about Vincent Henestrosa getting sent down? Well, that is, uh, I wonder what is the future for him. And I know he's going to be the first call-up, um, but boy, this really seemed like his chance to sort of take that job by the balls and, and, and win it, and he didn't do it. And I saw, I believe it was Mark Lazarus, wrote a story about him playing a little more under control instead of just being a wrecking ball everywhere he goes and skating himself out of position, that he would sort of focus and harness his energy in a positive way. We discussed that as well. And I didn't really see it in the preseason. It's the same thing. Yes, he has great speed. There's no doubt about it. And he has some scoring ability. He's shown it, shown it at every level except the NHL. But in this league, in the top league, you can't just be buzzing around and trying to, you know, he just takes himself out of position so often that if you just focus and play the system a little bit, your speed and your scoring ability are going are gonna to rise up. And they never did. He was never able to really tame that part of his game and I know you know you don't want to coach out aggression of a player you don't want to discourage them from playing that way but time after time it took him out of position and uh he was just not able to make that adjustment and I don't know if his NHL future is in Chicago when we look at potential guys that could be moved that might still have a little bit of value league-wide that's got to be one of the first names you look at if you're thinking about adding a defenseman you know near or at the deadline uh, he could be one of those sweeteners in a deal to uh, to bring something back. I, I just don't see uh, if he didn't make it now, when is he going to? That That's sort of my question. Maybe if Alex DeBrincat struggles, he'll get the first call up and take that spot. It makes sense. It's a right-wing spot that DeBrincat's on. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I don't really see what he's going. I don't see him getting a lot better, and I had high hopes for him getting better. Me too. And I just don't see it happening. I just don't. Yeah, I brought I brought that up on Sports Sunday that I felt like if uh, DeBrincat was going to be sent back down, I felt like somebody like a Henestroza would probably be the guy that would end up coming up. And I also brought it up yesterday when I started my roster tracker on Madhouse and Forrest. I'm doing a lot of self-plugging today, but that's because I've been working my butt off to get the Blackhawks coverage up and going on that website this season. So... Feeling real proud today, man. I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm digging the stuff that we're doing so far. So, go me. Anyway, I I think you're, outside of my plug, I'm going to go ahead and say that you're exactly right. And this is why you're the scores hockey expert. So, 
I, I, I'm disappointed that Henestrosa did not make the team. I felt like his speed could have added something, but you're exactly right. He has to fit that speed into the system, and I think that's kind of the underrated thing that mm-hmm. Alex Dabrinkit has done this preseason is that he's taken his prodigious ability, this incredible gift that he has, and he's managed to play within himself. He's managed to not put himself out of position too often. He's been exactly what the Blackhawks have wanted him to be, and I've been very impressed with the way he's played with a lot of control and a lot of intelligence on the ice. And I feel like a guy like Inestroza, a guy like Ville Polka, I honestly feel like they could take a lesson from this and be like, look, like we have all this talent, got all the talent in the world. We may not have gotten our opportunity, or we may not have cracked the roster this time. We at least had an opportunity, and we still do. Just keep grinding, keep working, and I think eventually you're going to see Henestros and get one more shot up here at some point. Uh, let's On the other side of this break, let's discuss uh, Vili Polka more, Alex Dabrinkit more. And Vinny Henestrosa more. I think those are three very interesting parts of this team going forward. But before we take a break, I want to tell you about our good friends at Triple Threat Sports. You know they're the best place to go in town if you want to get your little orphan Annie Blackhawks jersey. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to wear the pilgrim collar around town with pride, Triple Threat Sports can get it to you. But if did you also know, and I'm sure you do by now, they're the best place to go in town if you're you're <laughs> if your team needs jerseys or sweaters or whatever you want to call it for hockey, baseball, football, lacrosse, triple threat sports will get you hooked up in professional looking, professional quality jerseys for your team. Your beer and pizza league, your sixteen inch softball team, you need a t shirt, you need an NHL level jersey, triple threat can help you out with anything. And they'll help you with the off ice apparel as well. Any sport you can imagine, any number of players, Triple Threat has your back. So give them a call, 708-478-6090, or email chris at triplethreatsports.com for more info. That's Triple Threat Sports. If you can wear it, they can make it. When we come back, like I said, we'll discuss Henestroza, Polka, Debrinkit. We're also going to tease you with an upcoming event we have in January. You'll save the date, and we'll fill you in a little bit on the Madhouse Podcast Fantasy Leagues as we go along as well. This is the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We've been talking about the Blackhawks' final roster moves and how they're going to look on Thursday night when they take on the defending Stanley Cup champion Pittsburgh Penguins. That's my dramatic voice. At that the was Uni- good. I like that. At the United Center, the Penguins will be coming off a game on Wednesday night. They're playing St. Louis in their opener, so the Blackhawks will be looking to take advantage of the defending champions. By the way, Jay, I forgot to m- ask you this. Mm-hmm. We've had plenty of opportunity to talk about it, and we haven't. The Blackhawks' first eight games this season are against teams that made the playoffs last year. Talk about a freaking gauntlet, dude. I had no idea their opening schedule was that difficult. Isn't that insane? That's uh, pretty bad, but I will tra- I'll trade that since uh, there's no more long road trips. Oh, yes, God, the, the no uh, circus trip No anymore. circus trip. Yeah, I'll take that instead if I have to choose one or the other. I'll definitely take uh, starting off against some good teams because it means that later on it will be less challenging. Yeah, it'll be like the Cubs who got to play, what, six games against playoff teams in the second half of the season? Like, they have not played a playoff team, by the way, since early August. So it's been a little while. No, yeah, you're, you're right about that. Um, but, uh, you know, Polka, before the break, you mentioned Billy Polka. 
<laughs> that is like um, the most awkward transition. I know. Ever. I just I just want to get this over with because okay, fine. <laughs> I, I I see uh, I see very little in Billy Polka that tells me he's an NHL player at any time, aside from like an emergency call up. I mean, this was the camp where he was in great shape, and he added muscle and lost fat and and knew that this was his time. And <laughs> I really saw nothing. If I'm looking at the Hawks' depth chart defensively, um, you know, eight, nine. What is he? What is he behind Eric Gustafson? I'd put him behind Eric Gustafson. The fact that I had to think about that tells you all you need to know. I think Gustafson has shown that he can actually be an NHL caliber passer, which is one more thing that he's shown he can be NHL caliber at than Billy Poca has shown. Yeah, I just, you know, I, I, I we had high hopes for him, and he just hasn't developed for whatever reason. Uh, maybe he's another guy when you look at, you know, Henestroza that could – Maybe thrive from a change of scenery. I don't think Vinny needs a change of scenery. No, no. I just no, think no. that his best chance to play is on another team. Change of approach, I think, with him. Yeah. Polk, on the other hand, I think if he was to go somewhere else, that could might be good for him. Um, I just, you know, I saw very little of – he was right there with Svedberg, and, and like you said, Gustafson is kind of guys like, okay, if, so, if you know, if three guys get hurt, we'll see them yeah. play a little bit. But – Nothing that gave me any sort of faith that he's going to grow into anything better, faster, stronger. Uh, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I think the ship has sailed on Billy Polka. This was, I, I think this was his last chance. I think that, uh, you I mean, can, you can say, I know, you can say with absolute certainty that Luke Snuggerud has jumped him in terms of the defensive prospects that are in this system. Oh, no doubt. I don't think there's, there's no doubt about it. No. With the way he played in his college days and, the impression that he's made on the team throughout every camp that he's been in. Luke Snuggerud is the next uh, big blue line prospect that this team has before Henry Henri Yokoharu, or however we're pronouncing his name today, before he really starts to blossom and develop. I think Luke Snuggerud's the next guy, and I feel like as much as I hate to say it, as much as I hate being dismissive of a guy, Billy Polka is kind of last week's news to me. Well, he really the is. The other thing, too, is that Jordan Osterley has played pretty well, and no one's really been talking about Yeah, he about has. It. What the heck, man? Like That that was a guy that I kind of thought would maybe be like a fringe roster candidate, and he came out, and he honestly has kind of blown me away. Like, I've actually had to go back and watch some of his games, and I've been blown away with how good he's played. I was. So I feel like I'm, I missed on that guy. Yeah, well, I was talking to uh, uh, a uh, source the other day, uh, and he said to keep an eye on him, and I said, oh, all right, you know, kind of this is before the preseason started, and uh, I was very surprised at how, how high the praises were sung, and this is a scout um, just saying how, how good of a player that Osterley is going to be. And maybe not right now, he's not going to be – you know, fantastic world beat or anything like that. But um, said keep an eye on him, and I did, and I was impressed with what I saw. And and now you know, they've got him paired with Franzen, and maybe you can number these lines how you want. Uh, Scott Powers had him listed as Forsling Ruda and then Osterly Franzen. I seem to think that Cody Franzen is going to be in the lineup opening night, which may move that Osterly Franzen pairing up to third. I don't know. I I, I don't know. I just uh, we're going to find out, but. The fact that he's still here and was never really, you know, didn't do anything to, to warrant getting sent down. I like what I've seen from him. That's another young guy in the system, another under-the-radar move, and that's another guy you put on a depth chart ahead of uh, uh, Vili Poca. I, 
as much as you know i want to be like billy polka just hasn't gotten his fair shake da, da, da. no he absolutely has like billy polka had an opportunity this year to really make an impact and jump onto the roster and he simply did not do it and i feel like the blackhawks maybe sort of knew that that was going to be the case because they brought in a cody france and they drafted heavily on defense in this draft i just i feel like I feel like they know what Billy Polka is and what he is going to be. And I honestly, I don't think they're that enamored with him. And frankly, well, why should they be? Yeah, exactly. Watching him in the preseason, I'm coming around to their side of things. I wanted Billy Polka to be an elite, like a potentially like top four guy. And I just, I don't see it. Well, speaking of that, what have you made of Gustav Forsling's preseason? It's very not... up and down. I have not been as low on him as you have been, and that's not to say that you're wrong in your analysis. I just, I don't think he's been awful. Like, he has, he's made, like, a few questionable choices here and there. I remember a turnover, I think it was in the Detroit game at the United Center, or no, it was the Boston game, where he got pickpocketed by Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron. But then again, who hasn't been pickpocketed by those guys on the back check? But... It still was a very it was a very telling moment because his awareness just wasn't there. And against a guy like that, against a Patrice Bergeron, if your awareness isn't on point, you're going to get the puck taken away from you. And I thought it was really telling that he had that lapse in that moment. And to me that was kind of like a microcosm of what can go wrong with Gustav Forsling is that he just sometimes doesn't he's not aware of who he's on the ice against. Yeah. And he's got all this talent, and he's so quick, and he's got good hands. But your on-ice awareness has to be better than that. And I think that was his low light of the preseason, and I saw some highlights too. But I, just, I didn't see enough of this guy has made a giant leap forward to justify putting him in the top six on a nightly basis. So I, I think I'm, I'm not as rough on him maybe as you. You've critiqued him quite a bit and with good reason. I still think he's worth being on this roster. What do you think? Oh, no, I think he deserves a roster spot. And, and like you were saying about the Bergeron thing, I think it's going to be pretty rare when you're going to see Gustav Forsling out there against top competition in the regular season. I also think that all players, no matter what your security position is on a roster, will take some chances in the preseason they wouldn't take in the regular season, right? Like maybe you're trying to show something. Maybe you say, hey, look at this great play I can make to try to turn some heads. Um, maybe just playing conservative is not the right thing to do if you're trying to impress people, right? Um, so I think that you'll see him a little bit better. And I think sort of like just talking it through here, Forsling on D reminds me of Hinnestros on offense. Sort oh, of out of it. control and out of yep. position and, you know, calm down, you know, get your bearings. You're a defenseman. First thing first, got to keep the puck out of the net. You can dazzle me with your spinoramas and your great shot and all that stuff when you have the puck, but you've got to get the puck away from the other team first. And I think yeah. that there were many times, I think the word is probably overwhelmed. That would be the word I would use, or, or f- kind of frantic. Does that make sense? Playing a style that's not really, uh, like, you know, Nicholas Jalmerson is the antithesis of this. It's a guy who's always calm. The moment's never too big. He plays at the same level all the time. That With Forsling, there was a lot of times it was like he had his pants on fire, and it was like, dude, settle it down. You've got the ability. You've got the speed. You you can you know what I mean. 
don't worry. It just he played panicked almost a lot. And I don't like that in my defense, especially on this team where the D is going to be so bad. I mean, mm-hmm. quite frankly, it's, it's not a good defense. It's just not. They're going to need guys that can go back there and not hurt them. And I don't know if Gustav Forsling offers that right now, and I do think Jordan Osterley does. He's not going to blow you away. He's not going to light up the scoreboard, but he's going to go out there and give you a solid defensive shift, you know, for 12, 13 minutes a game, and that's what they need. Yeah, that is absolutely what they need, and I feel like that's why having guys on offense like Brandon Saad and Patrick Sharp, guys who don't panic even under duress, I feel like that's really important on a team like this is to have guys like that who – may not light up the score sheet. Obviously, Brandon Saad could have a really good season in that regard, but it's more important to have kind of that like veteran kind of calming influence, the guys who are going to have the puck and not panic at big situations. That was why it was kind of important to bring those guys back, and I'm curious to see which of the guys on defense end up being kind of that steady Eddie kind of player. I think Esterly is kind of a good... He's a good potential Osterly. guy for that. Osterly, sorry. I always say Esterly because I'm like, that O has to be silent, right? Like well, You kind of look at that name, <laughs> and that's the first thing I thought was, I bet that O is silent. See, I what? see the E is silent. Ah, but, yeah, and we also yeah. have clarification on the other name we can't pronounce. It is Debrinkit. Yeah, that's what I was I was told that as well, and I've been trying to say Debrinkit like, frequently, and I still occasionally elapse, and I'll say Debrinkit, but... I've actually been getting better about it after much cajoling and prodding. So it's just not yeah. as fun. I know, right? Like Debrinkit's kind of a boring name. Like, sorry, Alex. Like, I, I want to call you Debrinkat <laughs> because it's cooler. It just is. There's no question about that. It is. Absolutely it's like boring. it's like Larry Dolphin being a better name than Laurent uh, Dolphin. Moment of silence for Larry Dolphin. Thank you. I thought your uh, team name is the Miami Dolphins, right? Yes, yes, that's my <laughs> fantasy team name, and the other one is Tacos Teravinen. Um, uh, both fitting. Yeah. Both people know it was me. Both yeah. groups know it was me. That was fun, by the way. Sunday night we rattled through two drafts. I think the sixteen team league is maybe a little bit too big. Oh my god, <laughs> we the... had some bum ass bums going. Like, yeah, holy did. cow! But that was the um, wasn't that which one had uh, Debrinka taken? I took, I took to bring Kit in the 10-team league. I took him with my last pick, though. But he like was I, taken in the other league, too, right? Like, kind of early. Yeah, he went, like, right after uh, Nick Schmaltz. I think he went in, like, the ninth round or something like that. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I, I enjoyed that very much. It was uh, – everyone – I think most teams were there, right? Yeah, the the All-Star League, I think, had, it maybe had better turnout than the 10-team league. I feel like well, the All – the All Star League definitely had more trash talk going on, which I appreciated. Well, anytime Burger is involved, there's going to be trash talk because everyone hates him. And well, I was, so. was going to say because he's trash, but you can no, that's that's a lie. And I told him I wouldn't bash him on the podcast. That I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You just did, Burger. I know. I'm apologizing for doing it. You're not sorry. I I am actually. I like I love all of our listeners except him. But I love all of our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair enough. I suppose it's fair. I'm trying to find where... Oh, here we go. Uh, Count of Amante Cristo. Like that team name. That's Jason name. Holter, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, he that's took, Salsa Shark for those Salsa of you shark. keeping track at home, yeah. Took uh, Alex Debrinkit in the 11th round. Nah, it was somewhat close. But just to tell you some of the names here that got taken. Uh, Jake Dotchin 
from the Lightning was his 16th round pick. Mark Mathot, who's a nice player, but not in fantasy. <laughs> um, yeah, there were some there were some bum ass bums taken in this draft. Yeah, I I don't even remember probably my last five or six picks. I remember my second to last pick. Oh, I remember your no, it was your last pick. Yeah, no, it wasn't. Or, oh, I my, thought it. I thought no. it was. Oh. I, well, I had back to back. Anyway, anyway, I sent Jay an angry text message on Sunday night after he took a certain player who may have signed with Calgary the other day. That's right. Yarmir Yager is a member of uh, the Miami Dolphins. And then after him, Radko Gudis. That's yeah. where this draft went. Good God. <laughs> what too a many bad... teams. Yes, too many teams indeed. By the way, can we have a moment of silence for my uh, fantasy football team? Because this week was kind of rude and ridiculous to me thank you i lost i lost one of my leagues by 0.28 points because Ooh. we have a decimal system and i in my other league i only lost alvin cook for the season and won't have Derek carr for two to four weeks so yeah. ouch yeah thus uh, thus ending my undefeated start in both leagues i was three and zero in both leagues and that is no longer the case well this is the one week i did not play cam newton and that did not go well for me you know what? It wasn't a bad decision. I mean, he was going up against, you know, a good team. But then again, New England's offense or defense is terrible. So maybe we don't know as much as we do think we do about sports. And anyway, speaking of not knowing things about sports, I've got an opinion about something. And we're, I'm going to share it with you guys after this next break. I have thoughts, my friends, on the Marion Hosa long-term injured reserve, the scandal that has rocked the NHL. Countless scribes have weighed in with their thoughts, and I have the one thing that I feel like they are all missing. And we are going to talk about that after Jay Zawoski tells you about the company whose t-shirt I am currently wearing, and that's Marishka's. Jay, give me some of that Icelandic cod action. <laughs> um, after the show, maybe. Uh, Marishka's in Crest Hill. What an awesome place. Family owned and operated since 1933. One of our longtime sponsors. We love Marishka's. We hold them dearly in our hearts. Um, Joe and everyone out there. 604 Theodore Street in Crystal, 815-723-9371. Marishka's is famous for their poor boy sandwiches. Absolutely outstanding. But literally everything there is delicious. The twice-baked potatoes. The onion rings. The Icelandic cod that James mentioned. The burgers. The chops. The seafood. Marishka's is fantastic. It's awesome. I love it. I cannot wait to get back there. I am long overdue. I'll get back there soon. Uh, but make sure you go check out Marishka's. They've got a full bar with craft beers. They've got a takeout menu, banquet facilities for over 100 people. So go check out Marishka's in Crest Hill, 604 Theodore Street. They are the best. Close only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving, 815-723-9371. James, before the break, you said you have thoughts. There's someone else here with thoughts. On the Las Vegas Golden Knights uniforms. Uh-oh. <laughs> We're going to have a, a, a long overdue edition of Addie's Fashion Corner. Not those. Uh, <laughs> I said I wanted the Bruins next. Oh. Right, I guess we're doing the Bruins. She she told you, man. Addie's Fashion Corner is going to dominate this show. <laughs> All right. Coming up next, <laughs> Addie's Zawoski breaks down the Boston Bruins uniform. That and more on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast and the first edition in a long time of Addie's Fashion Corner with my 
fashion expert daughter, Addie Zawatsky. He's lying. I'm not lying. You're our fashion expert consultant. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's on your business. Yeah, card, we will have one, James. Well, Why not? We have to get you one. We'll get you one. All right. So today, we're doing the brand new Addy Zero, which is what they call the Adidas jerseys, the mm. white Boston Bruins Addy Zero jersey. The Bruins were Addy's other favorite team for a long time. Quote. It's true. They were. So now she's going to break down the jersey. What do you like and what do you not like about the new Bruins jersey? I don't like the sign for hockey on the top, like by the buttons. Okay. The NHL logo on the collar. Yeah. And then I think there should be more buttons on the... Oh, you want it to have buttons on it? More buttons. Have you ever seen a hockey jersey with a lot of buttons on it? No. So you think maybe that's something that the league should start looking at? Yeah. All right. Well, so on a scale of 1 to 10, how do you rank the Bruins jersey? What does rank mean? Okay. If you had to give it a grade, like in school... Like an A, a B, a C, D, F. What would you give it? Probably a C. A C. Okay. And so you think adding some buttons would improve it? Yeah. And I also want a little bit of like the stripes on there to be on those. Oh, I see. So you want the, the stripes and the sleeves to go down lower like where the wrists are yeah all right eddie well thanks for joining us on eddie's fashion corner it was a lot of fun we'll do it again soon okay eddie thank you for your time on eddie's fashion corner we love you love you too daddy okay so that was another exhilarating edition of eddie's fashion corner so what were we talking about before uh eddie's fashion corner we were talking about marion hosa and the long-term yes, injured we reserve jay i want you to do me a favor here Okay. You had a good discussion, I thought, today with uh, Greg Wyshynski, formerly of Yahoo Sports, and futurely of, I don't know, has he announced where he's going yet? Not that I saw. I, I'm just going to go ahead and assume that he's going to the athletics, since that's where everybody goes. So True. So, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and assume that. Uh, you guys had an interesting discussion today about the Blackhawks putting Marion Host on LTIR. His contention was that this was always the plan and that's why after year eight, his salary went down so much. You pointed out that the Blackhawks are worse without him. So, Well, that was basically ahead. my point was, in, in what scenario can you tell me the Hawks are better off without Marion Hosa? Other than salary cap, you can't. They're not. They're a worse team. If you said to Stan Bowman right now, would you take a healthy Marion Hosa to play on your team? The answer would be absolutely yes. Absolutely, and yes, you can argue that the D is bad and they'd probably need to add something here or there. Sure, and maybe they couldn't. But if you add a guy like Marion Hosa, that improves your team defense. It's one of the best two-way forwards of all time. Still effective at his advanced age. And yeah, you can look at that contract and say, well, this was a plan all along because the salary dropped to a million. Well, if you're looking at NHL player X, chances are at the age of 38, they're going to start to decline a little bit. So it makes sense to target the contract at that point. If you look at this as just a basic player, if you take the name Marion Hosa out, you take the situation out, I can see why it's suspicious. I get it. I get why people feel that way. However, when you actually look at what's happening on the ice and what's happening to the roster, you see they're better off with him. There's no question about it. And he's taking medication that's detrimental to his health. And with that in mind, maybe it's worth doing that for $5 million or $4 million 
It's not worth it for a million. I agree. I agree with that. I'm not going to be mad at him for that. If the dude's like shortening his life by taking the medication he takes to stay on the ice. And that's not an exaggeration, by the way. This medication that he's on is intense stuff. Right. It's not. Look, teams have circumvented the cap before. There's no doubt about it. And again, maybe if he's making $5 million this year, he tries a little harder to come back or is more willing to put up with it. But the fact is, he's not. And the other thing is that people keep conveniently forgetting is that when the Blackhawks signed this deal, there was no cap recapture penalty. They signed these well within the rules of what were the rules at the time. So to be mad at them for for using this, if you even want to call it a loophole, you shouldn't call it a loophole because it's not. It's it's a fact that the dude cannot and should not be playing anymore. Uh, if you look at it objectively, you're going to see that the Hawks are doing nothing wrong here. And, you know, the, the envy, the jealousy that fans of other teams have towards the Blackhawks is, I understand it. They've got three Stanley Cups. They've got a lot of great players. They've had tremendous success over the last decade. But you say they get themselves in cap hell. They get themselves in cap hell because they draft well. They draft Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane and Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook and Brandon Saad and Andrew Shaw and Dustin Bufflin and all these guys who have had to leave, right? Then you look at guys they traded for, like Nick Letty, like Andrew Ladd, uh, on and on the line that they have to go there as well. You look at a signing like Artemi Panarin, a dude who they got, they won, they negotiated with, he signed here, and then performed so well, they were so right in their scouting of Artemi Panarin, they have to lose him. So to feel mad at the Hawks because, you know, they Marion Host is off the books, it, it's first of all, it's, it's smacks of jealousy. Second of all, it's completely, it's a stupid-ass thought because they are better with Marion Hosa, there's zero, zero, zero doubt about it. Had he scored 35 points last year and been a shadow of himself, fine. I could see, okay, you know, they just want this contract gone. I get it. What do you have, 25 goals last year, 29 goals, something like that? Something absurd. Marion Hosa was one of the best players on the team last year. I It just it just drives me crazy. Like, I know you want to be mad. I know you want to give your hot takes and all that stuff, but... Man, the dude had an awesome year last year. They're better with him than without him. There's no doubt about it, and I think the conversation ends there. Yeah, you kind of stole my thunder with the uh, point that everybody seemed to be missing, which was that the Blackhawks were already retroactively punished for that contract when they instituted the stupid-ass cap recapture penalty on deals that they, as a league, had approved. And I think it's absolutely absurd that the you know the league is just going to go ahead and say two years later, oh, by the way, we're punishing you when he wants to retire. If that stupid cap recapture thing wasn't on the books, none of this would have happened. The Blackhawks wouldn't have had to go through all these hoops to get him on long-term injured reserve. He could have just retired and ridden off into the sunset and lived a healthy, fulfilling life, and nothing would have come of it. But instead, the Blackhawks have to do these gymnastics to get him off of their salary cap because the league arbitrarily decided after two years that, you know what, no, that contract that we approved is no good. We're punishing you for that. I think that's absolutely nonsensical that the league thinks that they can just go ahead and do that. And I think the other thing that people are missing here too, which you did not steal my thunder on, so thank you for not stealing this point from me, is this assumption that this cap space that the Blackhawks are going to get when they place Marion Hosts on LTIR on Wednesday, what's what's going to stop it or what's going to cause a team to go, you know what, 
we're going to help the Blackhawks out. We're going to send them a top four defenseman. Do you realize how friggin' difficult that's going to be to accomplish? It doesn't matter that you have the cap space to do it. What matters is finding another team willing to give up a top four defenseman in this hypothetical scenario. And it's not like teams do that, like ever. They don't trade those kind of assets, and they sure as hell don't trade them to the Blackhawks, who apparently owners just have this massive vendetta against, and they got all pissy when they tried to put hosts on LTIR. It's insane to me to think that the league's going to do the Blackhawks some favor, and it's going to enable them to get a top four defense. Yeah, yeah. So, A, it's not a favor, and B, even if it magically is, what team's just going to go, fun? we'll trade you a top four defenseman. It's going to be a long, drawn-out process. And the Blackhawks aren't just going to wave a wand and get what they want. They're arguably have to give up more than other teams would because, frankly, it seems like teams just don't necessarily like dealing with the Blackhawks all that much. Well, and if people want to bitch about Cody Franzen being a number four defenseman or whatever, you had all summer to sign Cody Franzen. Cody Franzen signing a deal for the Hawks for about a million bucks. Okay? So if you are going to constitute that, well, uh, Marion Hosa allows him to sign Cody Franzen, by all means, the dude was out there and available. Maybe he preferred to play in Chicago, but if you say, hey, how about we double that salary? How about you come here and play for two million bucks? How, what do you think of that? You think Cody Franzen would have said no? I doubt that. So don't give me that. It's not like they're getting Colton Pareko or something like that, some young stud defenseman for cheap money. They're getting a guy who's at the end of his career who they hope can add yep. some depth at number four at best, probably closer to number five or number six on this team. Uh, it's Cody Franzen, and he's been, again, he was out there all summer. Anyone that wanted him could have signed him, so don't give me that, like, oh, you're going to use this to your advantage, blah, blah, blah. Screw that. The Hawks are doing everything within their rights. They've got a guy who scored 26 goals last year. Just looked it up. 26 goals. Was extremely effective. And now they're without him. There's no way. If you said to any Hawks fan or Hawks management member right now, would you trade Cody Franz and have Marion Hosa back? The answer is 150% yes. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> I, <sighs> I get the sense that you're annoyed, Jay. All right. <laughs> A little bit. All right, well, you know what? We're getting along here. Let's wrap it up, and we're going to do some emails next. When we come back, we'll answer your email. Lots of good ones this week. If you ever want to email us, madhousepod at gmail.com. But we'll get to those right on the other side of this timeout. You're listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Email the guys at madhousepod at gmail.com or follow them on Twitter at madhousepod. The email segment is brought to you by our friends at Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with two locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit them at chuckscafe.com. They offer the best in Cajun and barbecue and Mexican fare. That's why it's called Southern Comforts. It's not just barbecue. It's not just Mexican. It's not just Cajun. It's all three from the South. Southern Comforts. Get it? It's a good name. Think about it. Did you think about it? See, I'm right. Exactly. Go there on a Saturday. Get the Cochinita Pabil. It is their signature dish. It is my favorite thing. It is their Saturday special. If you can't get there on Saturday, don't worry. Everything else there is awesome, too. They've got barbecued nachos, amazing wings. James enjoyed the tube meat platter. Uh, the breakfast is outstanding. And, of course, the winner of this email contest we have every week is going to get a free breakfast at Chuck's. So check them out. They're in Burbank. They're in Darien. Chuck'sCafe.com for all the specials. Tell them. 
and Mariska's and Triple Threat Sports when you go there that your friends at the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast sent you. All right, now, James, we move on to the emails. Are you ready, my friend? I am indeed ready, my friend. All right, first email here comes from our guy Spike T. He sends an image of a Blackhawks W flag. Okay, so black with a red W with uh, the four feathers on it. He says, hi, guys. When I see the above image, it pisses me off so much. Granted, I'm not a Cubs fan, so I'm biased. But do the Blackhawks really need to borrow from a Cubs tradition? Can't John McDonough be more original? What's next? We're going to be singing Go Hawks Go and my favorite Hey Hey Holy Mackerel. No doubt about it. The Hawks are on the way. (laughs) I think a three-time Stanley Cup team can have their own originality. Am I wrong here? Yes, Spike, you are wrong. Hey, you're wrong because they've won six Stanley Cups. Well, it's not just that. John McDonough, these are not officially licensed Blackhawks products. These are... No, they are not. No, these are fan creations. These are things that, you know, people that own, like, printing presses or there's a million t-shirt companies out there. Um, Any number of them can have a flag like this printed up. So this is not a Blackhawks creation. Uh, You will not find, an, as far as I know, you will not find an official Blackhawks W flag in the gift shop at all so i wouldn't i mean you can hate it by all means yeah get your own things and the hawks do have their own traditions mm-hmm. um but to be mad at john mcdonough that's misplaced that's all yeah and just just in that and in that narrow interpretation of it you're absolutely right i mean you can be mad about whatever you want and want the team to come up with some of its own original ideas i mean they did shamelessly steal blackhawks convention from the cubs i mean there's no there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. But that was McDonough's idea. That was, if I remember correctly, that was John McDonough's idea, wasn't it? So what? Like you literally, like if you're gonna, well, no, if you're gonna say that John McDonough like took the W flag idea from the Cubs, well, then you do have to point out that he did steal the convention idea from the Cubs too. But he stole it from himself. Doesn't matter. It's still a Cubs thing first. Hmm. I think a fan convention's a good idea. No, I'm not saying it's not a good idea. I'm just, I'm just saying that if you're gonna, we well, you should not be able to do it just because you've done it somewhere else. It's fair, it but sense. you also, it's just like, well, hey, this thing worked for this team. Why not do it for this team? Like, ju- I'm just saying, in the spirit of intellectual honesty, if you're gonna point out that John McDonough stole something from the Cubs, then you do have to mention that. All right, fine, fair enough. Uh, Kevin, <laughs> our guy Kevin says, gentlemen. In an attempt to ask something different and maybe something for us to brag, who's in a Madhouse All-Star League, in your opinion, do you think... I'm sorry, here's the question. Kevin is asking, who has the best hockey team name in the Madhouse Podcast Fantasy All-Stars League? Oh, jeez. So let's let's take a look at them. I have it right here. Of course you do. You're uh, we have, That's right. We have a, a real sod excuse. Okay. Mm-hmm. We have Grimson Reaper. Mm-hmm. We have Tavo makes me sod. That's you, <laughs> right? Yep. We have Count of Amante Cristo. We have DeBrincat in a hat. Leon me. Grab him by the Crosby. Johnny Oduya's abs. <laughs> Stan McKenna's donuts. Burns my bufflin. Ryan's terrific team. Name your team, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> no rest for the flurry. TBD, that's Gingenburger. We can't think of a team name. Quenville's Pets and Chicken Wingles. Hmm. I'm going... Oh, and I'm the Miami Dolphins. So I'm going to go with the Count of a Monte Cristo. I think mine's no rest for the Flory. I, I, I just... I dig that. I think that's really clever, and I never would have thought of that in a million years. So 
I really dig Liz's team name. I think that was a good job by her. Good job, Liz. Way to go. Next email here from Brendan. He says, is it possible for the Hawks to have a sort of late-stage renaissance like the Penguins currently have? Do the Hawks have the capability to reload one more time and have a, wor a lineup worthy of Cup Challenger status again? Uh, I think we discussed this last week, and I said yes, assuming that uh, Schmaltz pans out at center and DeBrincat becomes what they think he's going to be, and they're able to add a top-flight defenseman here at some point, then yes, I think they can uh, add a Stanley Cup to their uh, already three that this generation has. Would have helped if they could have dumped a big contract in the expansion draft like the Penguins did. Yeah, that would be helpful. It sure would. Yeah. But they got rid of uh, TVR and Marcus Kruger instead. And got what exactly for all that trouble? Uh, cap space? I guess. <laughs> yeah, I do think they can win again. Do you? Do you think they yeah. have another cup in them? Oh, oh, yeah, for sure. But you definitely have to get your young guys like DeBrinkit and Hartman and those guys to really kind of blossom into really strong NHL players. I mean, you're not going to... You're not going to win with your current defense either, so you got to either trade for a top-four guy or somehow strike gold and hit one in your own system. Email here from one of our favorites, Tiffany Frui. She says, What happened to Jordan Tutu that caused him to be placed on long-term injured reserve, and how can they place him on waivers if he was injured? Mm, that's actually a really good question. Now, this is what <laughs> this is what Buck Daddy should be mad about. Yeah, like, how are you waving a guy that's allegedly injured? Yeah, that's a weird uh, a weird thing. Maybe, maybe they waved him, and he was so surprised he got waved, he fell down and hurt his arm. <laughs> He's like a fainting goat. <laughs> yes. Ah! And he just fall over. That, maybe that's what happened to Jordan Tutu. Uh, I call shenanigans on this one, but let's not, let's not pursue it any further, okay? Yeah, it's just, it's very, that's... That's a hell of a question by Tiffany. Go. Yeah. Very good, as always. All right. Uh, next up, Ponytail Dave, now Sans Ponytail. Oh, this is so sad. Ugh. I think he's just Dave. And this is a brilliant question. I think we already have our winner without even seeing the other ones yet. Okay. Name your all ass hat team for today's <laughs> NHL. Yes. Yes. I knew this was coming, and I didn't realize it was him that had asked it. I love it. All right. You want to go first? You apparently have been thinking about it a little bit. I, I've been thinking about it a little bit, but it's really tough to come up with. Uh, I'm having a tough time coming up with defensemen, honestly. Like, forward group, I feel like it's pretty damn easy. Cause, Let's do one group of forwards and two defensemen. All right. That works. So... And I, we don't have to be, like, center wing specific. Uh, that's fair enough. Uh, yep, first of all, David Backus is on the team. Ding, he's on mine. Corey Perry. On mine. Uh, I'm trying to think of a good winger or another good forward to put on this team. There's a few good options here. Who do you have on yours? I have Brad Marchand, but uh, just because, like, guys like Rafi Torres are no longer in the league. Right. I can't think of anyone that's a complete, like, unhinged lunatic anymore. How about Dustin Brown? He's so irrelevant now, but sure. He's so he's irrelevant, but he's also a jackass. So, True. I'll take yeah, relevant you know jackass feel... Brad Marchand over uh, over Dustin Brown. I I'm going to go ahead and say Dustin Brown with an honor a dishonorable mention to Milan Lucic. Okay. How about your defense? Defenseman, I'm having a lot more trouble just thinking of guys that I just look at and go, God, I loathe you. Like, I just, I want to punch you in the nuts. Like, I'm trying to, 
I've been scrambling and trying to think of a defenseman for quite a while now, and I'm just I'm drawing a total blank, man. I have Kevin Bieksa as one of mine. I'm thinking of guys like Adam McQuaid, and it's like, is he really relevant enough to warrant being included on this team? No. No, he's not. I got uh, Kevin Bieksa's on mine. Mm, that's a good one, yeah. I even just Googled, like, hateable NHL players, and none of these defensemen are hateable. Well, P.K. Subban's on the list. Yeah, what the? What? All right, you know what? No, instead, I'm going to say Kevin Bieksa and whoever put P.K. Subban on that list. <laughs> Fair. All they right. Can, they can be... They, they can be on the blue line. All right, I agree to these terms. Okay, good. So there's our team. How about a, how about a goal? No, do we have a Yeah, Semyon Varlamov next. Mike Smith. Oh, Varlamov is way worse than Smith. Smith's a jackass <laughs> on the ice. Semyon Varlamov's just a terrible human being. By the way, we forgot to include Mike Ribeiro on our uh, forward list. That's true, we did. If we're going to have asshats, then Mike Ribeiro definitely has to be a nominee. All right, take uh, Marshand off mine and put uh, asshat. Ribeiro on and, there. And, on, and honestly, Andrew Shaw kind of deserves some uh, hatred on the asshat team, too. And there's one on the Hawks, too, we could probably include if we wanted to. Yeah, I wonder who that is. Uh, yeah, I don't feel like getting any more uh, negative reviews on iTunes because we're SJWs, so. <laughs> All right, uh, here from Cody Langelier. Or Langelier. Ooh, I don't know if he's a, French or not. What a name. He says, how angry is Lance Boma going to make me this season, and how long will I have to hear about his grit before he's replaced by someone with a measurable hockey skill? Uh, probably at least 30 games, and he's going to incense you to the point that you're going to want to commit uh, various acts of violence. Lance Boma is 2017 Brandon Bullig. Just get used to it. He's going to be playing. He's not good, guys. I'm, I'm just going to go ahead, and I'm going to say it. And if he turns out to be good, then I won't retract my statement, but I'll go ahead and pretend to be contrite. He's just bad. He's not a good hockey player. I, I'm not he's not I'm not thrilled that he's on the Blackhawks. I don't get what he brings. So he's gonna make you kind of angry. That's I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. He's gonna incense you beyond all belief. Alright, a follow up question from Cody. You can wear only one sweater for the rest of your life. Which team player style do you choose? I would wear my Harambe loved Christmas sweater and I will love every minute of it. I think he meant hockey sweater, but I could be wrong. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> it is a hockey podcast, after all. <laughs> Wait, it is? Well, no, I thought this was the I'm Fat podcast. I'm going to wear my 2010 Stanley Cup final patched red Jonathan Taves jersey. Aww, Authentic. It's beautiful. So it is probably nice, the prettiest Jay. piece of clothing I own. As, as much as I want to troll everybody and say that I want to wear the uh, Dallas Stars uterus throwback that I have somewhere buried in my house, I'm sure, I'm going to have to go ahead and say that my Patrick Sharp 2009 Winter Classic jersey from the Wrigley Field game, I probably would go with that one. All right, like that. Chris Sturm emails. He says, for a team with so many unknowns, what would you classify as sure things going into the season? So what Blackhawks are sure things? I'll say I'm sure Patrick Kane's going to have a good year if he's healthy. Yep. Yep. I'm sure that Duncan Keith is still going to be one of the top 10 defensemen in the league. I'm sure Corey Crawford is going to make us repeatedly mention how everyone in the country underrates him. I think that's it. You don't think Brandon Sod's a sure thing? I kind of do. Oh, yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, would Brandon say, I would say Brandon being, Saad is uh, going to be really good on that top line. I think that's a sure thing. Career year for Brandon Saad. That is my prediction. That's not a bad prediction. I could see 40 goals for Saad this year. I really can. Wow. I was I was kind of leaning 35. That's uh, 
That's a little optimistic for my blood, but it wouldn't shock me. I'm not going to lie. It would not shock me. All right, Josh Micah must have missed the last podcast because he's calling me out for my uh, dismissal of Joe Mullen. I know. I admitted it last week. Ah, you did. <laughs> I'm an idiot. He scored 51 goals one year, had 502 goals in his career, and over 1,000 points. I'm an idiot. I just brain farted. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was like the highlight of like the – post-live podcast was the fact that you got called out for being uber dismissive that was like the greatest thing ever i like was rolling laughing when you told that story well i deserved it i was totally wrong all right so it says it actually leads him to a question which i like he said it got me thinking of any players in blackhawks past or present who kind of flew under the radar even though they were productive players one guy who came to mind is lc cord there are only three players in hawks history Whoever scored 50 goals in a season, and he's one of them, Holland Roenick being the others. Granted, he was well known for his pugilistic skills, but I think many people forget how much offense he provided as well. Do you think, do you guys have any guys that come to mind who didn't get the credit they deserve for whatever reason? I'll hang up and listen to your answer. Thank you, Josh. Um, LC Cord's a great one. Definitely a good one. I will say, I think Dirk Graham has been like unfairly forgotten by Blackhawks fans because he was a bad coach. Dude had a great career here. And no, nothing like Al Secord, of course. But I think Dirk Graham needs to be acknowledged by the organization. Maybe he doesn't want to be, but, I mean, it's time to mend that fence, dude. He was a great player for the Hawks for a long time. But the one that came to mind the most, and it's a guy I have a soft spot for that everyone else hates, that's Alexei Zhamnov. I know he, he was <laughs> traded for my favorite player ever. And I was furious when they made the trade. But if you watched him play with an open mind, he was a damn good player. No, he was not a number one center, but he was an elite number two center. And if he was at, like, imagine Alexei Zhamnov on this Blackhawks team and how great that would be. An elite playmaker, a guy who was underrated defensively, a consistent scorer. Dude made Tony Amani a superstar by getting him the puck constantly. I think Alexei Zhamnov is criminally underrated by the Blackhawks fans there i said it i think that's a very fair uh answer to that question i find very little fault with it the one thing i will say is that my guy was more of the uh modern like hawks renaissance era i feel like brian campbell didn't get enough credit while he was here for his first stint that's fair i feel like a lot of people like wanted like the moon with him because of the size of the contract that he signed but i'm telling you right now that 2010-2011 season, when the Blackhawks went into absolute salary cap hell and had to dump everybody, Brian Campbell had a damn good season for the Blackhawks that year. I really thought that he nursed that defense along when Nick Jalmerson had what I argue is the worst season of his career. Duncan Keith didn't have a great year that year, and yet... The Hawks still made the playoffs, partly because Brian Campbell, I thought, had a really solid season that year. So I'm going Brian Campbell for being underappreciated. And I know he's not of the, you know, level of talent that a guy like Al Secord is, but that that season always has stood out to me as one where Brian Campbell actually looked pretty damn good. And I don't think he got enough credit. That's a really strong answer. I like that. One more email just came in. So let's, uh, Jeff Hicks asks us, in the spirit of bettering the podcast and live podcast experience, can you use funds raised to get a dolphin costume and a Hawks jersey or jersey with Larry on the back of it for the fallen friend, Larry Dolphin? I'd even wear it to the next live podcast on a weekend. Um, yeah, if he shows up. I will get it. We <laughs> should get Larry Dolphin jerseys made. 
uh, and hand them out uh, at podcasts. No, that would cost a lot of money. We're maybe, not going to do that. Maybe maybe we can do that at our uh, event that we were supposed to tease and never did. Well, it's not. we're not done, are we? I'm about to tease it right now. Save the date. Oh, good. good. Everyone, save the date. January 20th, we're going to have an outing with the Chicago Wolves. Um, we're going to go to a game. We're going to get discount price tickets. Uh, there'll be prize packs involved and some other things involved as well. But we're all going to sit together in a section and take in a Wolves game. That's January 20th. So save that date. I should have more info to share uh, next week on how to buy tickets, et cetera, et cetera, what it all involves. But we're in the infant stages of this, but the date is locked in. January 20th, 20th Chicago Wolves outing uh, with the Madhouse Podcast. The reason we're having tickets instead of just a giveaway is I feel like if people buy it, they're more w- likely to show up. And it's not like an arbitrary way of awarding people like, you won tickets. Well, I can't go. Okay, blah, blah, blah. This way, if you want to go, you can come. It's going to be inexpensive. It's going to be fun. Uh, We're going to have some stuff to give you guys as well. So mark that date, January 20th, Madhouse Podcast outing. We hope you guys can join us there. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be some hockey, some fireworks, some fisticuffs, all that fun stuff. So we hope to see you out there January 20th. And if you would like to help the podcast raise money for these – events for this equipment feel free uh visit us at gofundme.com slash madhouse pod or patreon.com slash madhouse pod two great ways to help the podcast like we said every penny that you guys donate to us on those sites is used for the betterment of the podcast Uh, we were able to buy a pa system for our live remote we've got a mixing board we've got laptops we got everything we need to bring you the podcast as often as we can um, we recently used some money to buy the center, the NHL.tv package for James and I to share so we can keep our eye on the rest of the league. There's all sorts of things we're using uh, with the podcast money. But, again, none of it is for our benefit. None of it is for our spending. Uh, it's all to make the podcast better. So, all right, that's it for our emails for today. James, do you have a winner for us today, my friend? I was originally – I was very torn here, but I after a little bit of reflection – that underrated Blackhawks question was actually really good because it it got me thinking in a way, honestly, that the asset team, like that just was like instant, like guttural, like, Bleh! this though <laughs> required more nuance and I appreciated it. So I'm going with that. All right. Josh Micah is the proud owner of a 1996 upper deck Doug Bodger card. Give me all your knowledge about Doug Bodger. Doug Bodger, Bodger? Buffalo Sabres, yeah. D-man, uh, 54 points in 92-93. Yeah, well, everybody had 54 points that year. I think I did, too. Well, I just like his name, Doug Bodger. He was a good player, but he's got a funny name. Doug so Bodgers of the 23rd and a half century. <laughs> so congrats on that, Doug Bodger, and congrats to you, Josh Micah. You're winning a Doug Bodger card, and more importantly, you're going to breakfast at Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe. With that, we're going to wrap things up on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. James, do you have anything to add? Um, I do not, other than I just saw the EA Sports NHL 18 predictions for this coming season. They are predicting the Blackhawks will miss the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I have a feeling I know what we're talking about on our next podcast, even though it's not going to be until you get back from Washington. Washington. Say it like Coach Ditko would say it, my friend. Washington. Uh, got a tweet here from Bernstein and Goff. Chicago Bulls sources tell the show that the team and GM Gar Foreman are continuing discussions on a contract extension. 
So no oh matter how God, bad, no. so no. no matter how bad this Blackhawk season goes, people, at least we're not Bulls fans. Oh my God! <laughs> Thanks for listening Dude, to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Oh, we'll talk God. to you soon. flashes, irritability, intimate dryness, even unsatisfying sex. Hi, I'm Dr. Alyssa Dweck, a board-certified OBGYN who has spent over 20 years helping women just like you safely find relief from these very natural symptoms without having to resort to hormones. To help my patients feel their best, I recommend products from Bonafide Health. Bonafide is a women's health company dedicated to providing women with non-hormonal and clinically validated products that work. Bonafide provides safe and effective solutions to manage a range of menopause sexual health, and PMS-related symptoms. That's why I recommend Bonafide products to my patients every day. In fact, I am also a Bonafide medical advisor. What I like most is that Bonafide products provide women real relief without compromise. Ladies, don't waste another minute feeling less than your best. Go to HelloBonafide.com and use code RADIO39 to save 20%. That's HelloBonafide.com and code RADIO39. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Offer valid on subscription only. Wendy's new classic chicken sandwich is now in the two for five. And that's reason to celebrate. Try the new classic and then take your mouth on a victory lap with the iconic Dave's Single, the delicious spicy chicken sandwich, spicy or crispy 10-piece nuggets, or just get another classic chicken sandwich. Taste greatness today with Wendy's two for five. We got you. For a limited time, a la carte only. Price and participation may vary in U.S. Wendy's.